Welcome, welcome. We had a lot of fun tonight. I got to say something. You know, I'm actually really excited about the Thursday group because yesterday's, you, was anybody here yesterday? You were there? It was, it's a little too much. It's a little too many people. And it's a little, I've realized that with exactly this amount of people, we will be able to achieve twice as much. We'll, we'll have much, we'll go deeper. We'll, it'll be more of an intimate learning. And so I know sometimes Thursday nights are difficult in Los Angeles because everybody here wants to go clubbing and partying. But uh, it's okay, just a little spirituality is not going to hurt you. Uh, who wasn't here last week, just so I get an idea? No? Okay. All right. So, for those of you who uh, I haven't met, I'm David. I'll be your instructor, as well as several of my colleagues will be joining me for Kabbalah One, each of whom will bring their superpower to help create an incredible experience for all of us. I've been studying Kabbalah for the last 24 years, teaching for 20 of them. And Kabbalah One is by far my favorite course to give because you will learn the deepest concepts of this universe. It will, it will uh, how can I explain this? People who take Kabbalah One a second time realize how deep it really was because sometimes the content is, hits you so hard, bless you, where it's actually hard to see and appreciate how deep it is. I usually say by the third or fourth session, something is going to shift inside your mind that will forever change the way you approach life. So just give it at least four weeks before you kind of assess what's going on with Kabbalah in your life, and that shift will happen. Last week, we talked about a very powerful concept, this idea that the whole world and why we are here is actually quite simple. People think life is complicated, but life is very simple. And whenever you start to have pain in your life, or you have questions, or you're worried about something, you're worried about relationships, you're worried about finding a soulmate, you're worried about having children, maybe it's difficult for you to have children, you're worried about your job, your career, you're in a legal battle, maybe, there are health challenges, or maybe you just have general anxiety about what's going on in the world. Maybe something's going on with your parents, or your siblings, or your boyfriend. Does anybody relate to any of those things? Yeah. Or did I miss something? <laughs> One person. So what I'll tell you is that thousands of challenges will come at us every day, and we should always remember it's not about solving the problem. People are always chasing what we call the colors. When all of the colors of fulfillment exist in what we call the light of the creator, in the same way that the white light, when refracted, gives you the colors of the rainbow, the light of the creator encompasses all the things that we're looking for. So the reason why there is darkness in any part of our lives, the reason why there is confusion, the reason why we just lost something that we didn't want to lose, has nothing to do with the people or the problem or what we think it has to do with. It has to do with establishing a connection to the light of the Creator. And all of Kabbalah is teaching us the system, the spiritual science behind how to plug our soul into that light. When you plug your soul into that light, the darkness goes away. I don't know how. I don't know where it goes. I just know that in the same way, in this room, if it was dark and we hit the switch, the darkness goes away. And that's all we care about. If you're going through a health challenge and you're wondering, what doctor do you see? What advice do you take? What kind of diet do you need to have? These are not decisions that any of us will know how to make properly. First, plug your soul into the light of the Creator. The light will show you the right everything. The right doctor, the right diet, the right medicine, whatever that you're, whatever your body needs, you will be guided. Relationships, same thing. People ask me, how do I know if he's the one? How do I know if this is marriage material? How many people here are in a long-term committed relationship? Raise your hand. 
five people. <laughs> it's great. So how do you know? <laughs> how do you know if you're dating someone and it's supposed and it's and it's someone that you should invest in? You don't know. You don't know. You just keep doing your spiritual work. You just keep plugging into the light of the Creator on higher and higher levels, and the clarity will come. If that person is for you, you will get closer. If they are not for you, they will leave. Do not try to figure it out on your own. Do not even make reactive decisions about them. Sometimes people come to me in the beginning of Kabbalah 1 and say, I'm going through X, Y, and G challenges, and I need to make a decision. I say, don't make a decision in Kabbalah 1. Wait till the 10th class. You will be a completely different person. I've had people, I remember one couple sat over here, and the guy who was in Kabbalah 3, he raised his hand. He said, we were about to get divorced. Someone told us, take Kabbalah 1 first. And so he, he said that at the end of Kabbalah 1, he realized all of the problems in the marriage were because of him. And he wasn't working on himself. And as he began to work on himself by Kabbalah 2 or 3, so it was about 30 weeks, the marriage was better than ever. He thought she was not for him. But really, the whole time, it's because he was in darkness, because he didn't plug it. So whatever you're going through, do not make a decision. You have eight, give me eight weeks. We learned that the reason, the way, when our soul came to this world, it did not come with a connection to the light. We have to earn that connection. We will learn in about five, six weeks why that is. But it's a concept that we call the bread of shame. What that essentially means is anytime you receive something that you have not earned, you will resent it and you will not be able to enjoy it. Anything you receive that you have not earned, you will resent it and you will not be able to enjoy it. If you give someone energy, money, your time, something of value, and they don't have an appreciation to receive it, or they did not ask for it, or they did not do something to earn it, they will eventually resent you. And in order to fix this problem, the soul came to this world without a connection to the light in order to spiritually earn the light. How do we earn the light? By acting like the light. All of Kabbalah 1, we will learn the attributes of the light of the Creator. And we will learn how to mimic and have affinity of form with those attributes. And it's really that simple. All right. Any questions so far? This was just a little review of last week. Does have any questions? By the way, I, we love a dynamic class. Feel free to argue with me. Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to say you don't agree. Um, and we'll get into it. Do you have something, Lasha? Okay, we'll get into it. The one quality we've learned about so far that disconnects us from the light, again, this is just review, is reactive behavior. Reactive behavior. When the light wants to be revealed, when a solution wants to be revealed, when some kind of pleasure that you've been praying for is ready to be revealed, you will first have a challenge. That challenge will make you feel lack. Can you think today of a challenge you went through that made you feel lack? What's a challenge you went through today that made you feel lack? Who would just like to shout it out? What's something you went through today that made you feel lack? What is it? Ten people got laid off today in your company, in your group, but not you. Okay, and why, why did that make you upset? What did that make you feel? You have survivor's guilt? Yeah. You survived the layoff. They were your friends, most likely. You were close to them. And so that's painful. Absolutely. Okay. That's, a, that's actually a unique type of challenge because you're feeling someone else's pain. And sometimes, especially people who are very sensitive, will take on other people's energy and other people's pain to the point where they themselves become dysfunctional. And then they themselves become difficult to be around. Or they themselves become ineffective to their own family members. So that is actually a form of reactive behavior. It's actually happening now 
Many of us who are on social media and all day long we're seeing things that are bothering us, potentially, and maybe awakening feelings and emotions, and then next thing you know, your own mental health is in the toilet. And you're not showing up to where you need to show up in life. And that is a test. That is also a test. Yes? One second, one second. I want to give you the mic so people can hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this wasn't just between us. Yeah. What's your okay. name? What's your name? Jennifer Bakobza. Jennifer, please. <laughs> okay. Okay, so basically, like, I just got out of, like, a relationship, and, like, I really love this guy, and, like, I don't know, he was, like, my whole... How many life. years? Not years, months. Months, okay. <laughs> Six months. <laughs> but, like, I really loved him, and, like, basically, so, okay, so the reason I was feeling lack, right, is because I'm so hurt, so I feel... When did it end? When? Like, yeah. two weeks ago. Okay. Anyways, so... I was like looking, so basically my feeling of lack is like feelings of lust basically because I'm so hurt by like basically getting out of this relationship and now I'm like, oh, like I want to go other boys to distract me, la la la. And like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so you're feeling lack because you don't have him. And so the test for you is to find attention from other men yeah. to fill the void. Yes. This is a classic one. Yes, classic. This is a classic one, right? <laughs> You're not getting attention and energy from the relationship. By the way, this isn't just people who break up. These are pe- this is people who are in relationships. But maybe there's difficulty in the relationship. And so the man or the woman starts oh, to sweet. look for energy elsewhere. Maybe from another man or woman. Maybe from work. Maybe from drugs. Maybe from some kind of escape. How many people here can relate to that? Raise your hand. Or at least you know somebody who you can relate to that. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that because that is one of the most common forms of challenges that come. When you start to feel that lack, that lack is actually the vessel to attract the next real relationship. But only if you don't react to the lack. That's the test. So reactive behavior is any thought or action which comes from lack, fear, or doubt in order to connect to instant gratification. Jennifer, have you gone to his social media account to see what he's doing? Yes, like a million times, like every day. A million times a day. A million times a day. Checking his stories, checking his posting, what's going on, right? All forms of reactive behavior. All forms of reactive behavior. You should just block him and move on. And, and by the way, when you block him, you will feel like a heroin addict that's coming off of heroin. Literally. You will have night sweats. You will wake up in the middle of the night wanting to see what's going on. Yeah. You will start to f- see who he started to follow and go down that rabbit hole, right? It's already happening. All of that is a test sent to you from the creator since the beginning of time yeah. to help grow and elevate your soul. In fact, he came into your life and left your life to expose the weaknesses and all the parts of ourselves that are not like the Creator. Amen. Let me get the mic real quick, yeah. Now we're getting into a discussion. So, so how do you have the strength to not fall into that reactive behavior? How do you have the strength to how not you, fall into it? How do you find the strength? Or how do you remind yourself? We will learn two things. Number one, when you know what is really happening, you will gradually stop to stop self-sabotaging and falling into it. See, nobody taught us that reactive behavior is a problem. Nobody told us why we are in this world and what our soul's purpose is. Now that you you are going to learn it, you will at least be able to observe, oh my gosh, I'm being reactive right now. Oh yeah, I am totally disconnecting from the light, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the first step, and that's great. In fact, if all of Kabbalah won, You just watched yourself be reactive. This is an amazing level of consciousness. Probably in a month or two, maybe three, you'll actually start to get a nauseous feeling when you're being reactive. And your body is now being trained to pass the test. And then you'll have new tests and we'll learn. But we will also be giving you tools of how to draw down consciousness to pass your test. I think class five or six, I'll give you a very powerful tool of how to pass your tests.
But for now, it's about learning and understanding what's going on. Anybody else want to share some kind of challenge? Yes, please. Well, what's, what's your name? Sam. Sam. Yeah, please. Yeah. So like you're saying you can force yourself to not react. Is that the same as knowing something that's going to make you not react? You can train yourself to see the bigger picture and not to react. Remember, we will always go towards pleasure and run away from pain. Every human is going to run towards pleasure and run away from pain. My job is to help all of us understand, including myself, because when I'm teaching, I'm teaching myself, that if you choose the light, you are running towards the greatest pleasure that exists. And if you choose to disconnect from the light, even if you can't see it right now, you are following the greatest pain that exists. That's all it is. We are not here to be spiritual. We are not here to be religious. We are not here to be better people. Because none of those things are actually motivating. They are idealistic. They sound nice. But at the end of the day, we will always choose pleasure and run away from pain. I'm here to tell you that it is in our best interest that the greatest pot of gold is when you choose the light. You will have it all. And if you choose anything but the light, you will be settling for less. That's all. And it's okay to settle for less too. Sometimes I eat food that's not good for me and I know I'm going to feel horrible. But it still tastes good and it's nice. And for 10 seconds you eat it and you chew it and it feels good. And then you feel bad later. But sometimes you just got to touch, touch the stove, right? But at least know that you're trading the long term for the short term. I mean, look, a lot of people are in relationships that it's like, I know that this is not really long-term, but I, but I like it. And I know it's a little abusive, and I know it's not really... It's, it's, like, it's like a little... I want to be in the game. And that's okay. It's totally okay. There's no good or bad. But just, I want us to all know what is waiting for us. What is waiting for us, and eventually, everybody gets there. Everybody gets there. What the negative side has done in this world, there is a negative side we're going to learn about. What the negative side has done is make us believe that our potential is small. So we will not look for it. We will not seek out our destiny. That is the, and, and, and studies have shown that people who have had mentors who love them and help them think unlimited are the ones who become the most successful in life. Because these mentors are showing them, hey, there's more to life than what you're settling for. And there's more again. And there's more again. Anyone that I've worked with personally and they tell me their goals, my first question to them is, well, why can't we aim for 10 times that? And then they get a little uncomfortable. And they say, well, I don't know. And then, then you see all the reactivity come up. You opened up... I talked to a chiropractor. He's opening up his first office. He's very excited about it. I said, why don't we talk about opening up 10 offices? What does that look like in the next three years? <sighs> Starts breathing heavy. Starts freaking out. So there's, we're starting to see limitations. And that's great. But that's the job of a mentor. It's to kind of help break our limited belief systems and show us what's possible. What we're learning today is that what's possible is unimaginable. One of the things I really loved is that if you have earned something in this world, so for example, let's say you've earned a relationship or a soulmate or, or, or wealth, if, and you earned it, you spiritually earned it, the light, you connected to the light and the light is now going to bring it to you. If 8 billion people in the world tried to stop you from having it, they would not be successful. Once the light decides... No one can take it away from you. And if something was taken away from you, it means it was never meant to be yours anyways, or it is a test to expand your vessel to get much more than that. So let's do something real quick. Uh, everyone here is sitting at a table with a mentor, and these mentors have been picked because they've been incredible students of Kabbalah for many, many years, and they're here to help facilitate the discussion. They're here to be a support system to you. Really, they're just here to care about you. Not to, not to teach, even though they're great teachers, 
but they really want to make sure you have a successful outcome in the next eight weeks. And the other thing is the groups that you're sitting in, which are random but not so random, uh, are groups that you're meant to be with. These are souls that, for whatever reason, have attracted each other. (laughs) Yes. And you're going to soon... And I've heard the craziest stories of people who are sitting together and the karmic background they have and the things that are common between them. So each of you have a common correction, and that's why you're sitting with each other. You may not realize it for some time, but it, it does exist. So what I want to do real quick is just spend five minutes. Let's do a quick round robin where you introduce yourself. Maybe just turn also to face everyone just so it's, 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 more, uh, it's more respectful that we're not just having our back for them. So share your name. Share what you do. I think it's always nice. And then share. I change it every time. Why don't you do this? Oh, I know. I know. Are you ready? Be with me for one second. Share your name. Share what you do. And share what is something very difficult that you overcame in your life. All right? Something very difficult. You don't have to go into a whole story about it. Just give the punchline. Something very difficult that you went through in your life, and maybe something you learned from it, if you want to throw that in there. All right? Let's give it five minutes, and then we'll keep going. Please. All right. So, we learned last week about... We learned the first tool of transforming reactive behavior. It's massive. Nobody taught us this in elementary school or high school or college. Took so many courses in college. And gosh, by the way, I even took a Kabbalah. I'm 39, so what, uh, about 21 years ago, I went to UCLA and I took a course, because I was studying Kabbalah here at the Kabbalah Center, and I took a course called Kabbalah. It was like a Kabbalah course at UCLA. And the professor did not teach me this concept. He taught me a lot of philosophical concepts, but he didn't tell me the most practical one. Pause. Just, you want to react. It is a test. If you react, what's happening, interestingly enough, is when you are reactive, do you feel good or bad? You feel great. You feel bad later. You feel great in the moment. Of course, when you're looking through his Instagram, you feel great. It's, your heart's beating. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's all, all that toxic behavior is exciting in the moment. Why does it feel so good? Why do drugs feel good? All of this stuff feels good because you are drawing light into your soul. Even drugs, it's light. When you're angry with someone and you tell them exactly how you feel, you're drawing light. All of the addictive, reactive behavior is drawing all this energy. But here's the problem. If you draw energy reactively, it means you haven't earned it. So what happens is, this is the science of the soul. If this is the soul, this is the vessel, and then I I get reactive. I do something because, or maybe you're very controlling. You're controlling in your business. You're controlling with people. You're controlling in your relationship. Because control feels good. It feels good to control people because it's power. You know, people make a lot of money and then they run for office. Or they go into some kind of politics making a couple hundred thousand a year, even though they were making millions before, because they want the power. Power feels good. Draw the, drawing light through power. So when we draw light reactively through anger, through guilt, when I beat myself up, do I draw light, yes or no? A lot of light. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I'm horrible. Oh, oh. You're drawing light. That's what, remember, we run to, towards pleasure and we run away from pain. Why do I have feelings of guilt and I entertain these feelings? Because I draw light. When a person feels like they're a victim, this happens to me, that happened to me, these people do that, are they drawing light? Yes or no? Yes, they are. That's why they do it. It feels so good. It feels good. When I decide to stay in bed versus go to the gym 
that I committed myself to go to the night before. And I decided just 20 more minutes, 20 more minutes, my head on my orthopedic fluffy pillow, feels so nice and it's cozy and it's getting cold, it's a little cozy in my bed. <laughs> Sweet laugh. You're drawing energy. That's why we do it. Now, the problem is, it's reactive. All of those things are reactive. So the vessel says, one second. I came to this world to act like God. I came to this world to be like the light. Not to be reactive. I, the vessel does not want light that it has not earned. And so there is a rule. When we draw light reactively, a curtain goes on the vessel and it rejects the light. Where does it go for another day? But the light leaves. And what are we left with? Emptiness and darkness. And because we feel emptiness and darkness, we feel the need to do it again. And that's a vicious cycle. Then we say, I need more energy. I need more instant gratification. I need something from you. And I need something from you. And then we spiral. And this is how addictions form. We draw light. Imagine a person gets drunk. Does alcohol draw light? Yes or no? It does. A lot of light. That's why, people, that's why it feels good. It feels good. So you draw the light. Taking a shot of tequila. Take another shot. Take another shot. Feels good. Drawing light. Draw light. And then there's a moment where you that, that one shot. Because you, 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 you want the feeling to continue sometimes. So you take another shot. Something starts to happen. There's that moment where the light that you drew, the rejection of the light is beginning. And it starts to leave. You know that moment where the nausea starts to hit a little bit? <laughs> and about an hour or two later, where are you? Face down in the toilet. Remember that toilet? How many people have been face down in the toilet? You know the experience. Yeah. You know what it smells like. You know what it tastes like in your mouth. I want you to, I want you to go there. And you promise yourself. You promise yourself, I'm never going to do this again. Never. But seven days later, hey, what are we doing tonight? Having a drink. So the point is that Kabbalah is not the study of the light. Kabbalah is the study of the vessel. Actually, the word Kabbalah means to receive. The whole wisdom of Kabbalah is only learning how to prepare the vessel to receive endless light. Light that stays with you, not light that comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. Most people's lives are like this, up and down, up and down, up and down, and they have no control. And they're freaking out all the time. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Does she like me? Does he not like me? What does my boss think of me? Will I get this promotion? Will I get this business? Will I be able to raise the money for it? Will I get the funding for it? What's happening in this legal situation? What's happening with my parents? What about my children? How it's, it's crazy. We can't control all of those things. All you can control is be with the light. Be with the, be with the light and everything works out. How do you know? Just, you'll see. It, all the darkness goes away. And then we said, not just pause, but use your consciousness to realize you already have everything. But what do you mean I have everything? I don't have anything. I, don't, I lost something. Somebody left my life. Somebody passed away. I have, there's a loss. What do you mean I have everything? And the reason why this is very powerful, it, the reason why it's very powerful is because science also acknowledges that time is an illusion. Have you heard this? Yes or no? Time, the past and the future, it's an illusion. Meaning that the past and the future exist right now in this very moment. The fact that it looks like there are dimensions to time is only our limited perception. What does that mean? It means that whatever I do right now actually re-scripts the past and determines the future. But what do we do most of the time? We're thinking about the past and we're thinking about the future and then the energy is not present now. Eckhart Tolle became world famous for just elaborating on this concept in his book, Power of Now. He just said, it's only about the now. You be present and everything's going to work out. Well, if everything is happening right now, 
Let's take it a step further. The Kabbalists say that eventually each one of us will reach our perfection. Either we will reach it through spiritual work and pushing ourselves proactively, which is what we're doing here, or chaos, pain, and suffering will also push someone towards transformation, which we see happening in the world as well. Two options, but the goal is the same. We will all get to the same place reaching our perfection. And I'll tell you an example of how it will happen. Things are getting so fast that we all can agree here that, for example, speaking evil speech is, if I asked you, is it good to speak evil speech? No one here is going to be like, well, of course, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. We should all do it more often. No one's going to say that. We can all agree that speaking evil speech, putting someone else down, assassinating their character, it's a negative thing. Okay. But people do it all the time. We all do it. Why do we do it? Because when we do it, it feels good and nothing really happens. So we just keep doing it. However, there will be a time where as soon as you say, did you hear about, did you hear about James and Jennifer? You know, they, can you believe what happened? I mean, she, she, was, she was sleeping with another man and then there was something happened and then they, they're going through this divorce and it's craziness and you're talking to your friend about all this nonsense. As you're talking about it, you start to develop acne all over your face. That exact moment as you're speaking, where your teeth start to hurt. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Can you imagine, as soon as somebody spoke evil speech, they would start, their teeth would start to hurt, or they would have acne all over the face? In fact, everybody would know that if you have this certain kind of acne around your face right here, you're speaking evil speech about them. <laughs> so what, what's going to happen? Everyone's going to become spiritual all of a sudden. Oh, I better not speak evil speech. I don't want to get that acne. Eventually, cause and effect will speed up so fast that if you think negative thoughts about someone, you'll have a migraine. You go, oh. Everyone will start to promote spirituality and transformation because they see the instant result that happens. But right now, the result is delayed to give us the free will to transform. But eventually, that free will gets smaller and smaller. Does that make sense? Yes or no? It's a very deep concept. I usually teach it later, but I feel like we're ready for it. Question. You said eventually free will gets smaller and smaller. Correct. Can you elaborate on that part? It's already happening. So what is free will? Free will is I do a negative action, but I do not see a repercussion. I'm being given free will to transform myself before the boomerang comes back. Because if every time we did something negative, something negative happened, and every time we did something positive, something positive happened, where is my choice to act like the creator? I'm just, everything's just reactive. So the creator gave us time, space, so that we can learn our own lessons and become co-creators. However, if we're just sitting around doing nothing, eventually what's happening is cause and effect gets tighter and tighter. Think of what's in the last 20 years, space has been reduced. We now can travel faster, we communicate faster, here in China, there's no space. I can talk to anyone in China in a moment. 20, 30, 40 years ago, none of this stuff was possible. Everything's getting faster. And eventually, it will be so fast, you'll get to China in two hours on a plane. Eventually, that will Eventually, you'll get to China in five minutes. How will that happen? We don't know yet. But we know that science says it's possible, and we're going to get there. So physically, everything's speeding up, and spiritually, it is as well. Any other questions about this before we move on? We're still in the review phase. I'll get to you, right? Hi, Christian. Christian. Uh, you were talking about drug addiction and light and, and, and love and free will. And so my question is, do you believe that um, we're so, drug addiction is necessary because if it wasn't, it wouldn't happen, then we also wouldn't be able to fall in love. Because in a way, when you fall in love with someone, you spend time with them, you in a way become addicted to them. And if, you know, after a couple months or years, as I hear people in their conversations about relationships, you go through withdrawals <clears throat> when yeah. you're away from them. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to answer it maybe a little differently than probably is expected. 
whatever you are addicted to as of today, and it can be anything, can be addicted to approval, you will find a new addiction learning Kabbalah. Your new addiction is going to be, how can I connect with the light? It's going to be a new fascinating addiction that you're going to be looking into all the time. The way to remove a person from one addiction is to give them a new one. We are all looking for energy, so we can't change that. But what we can do is focus on the highest level of energy possible, and it's the type of energy that is good for you and everyone by you connecting to it. It's so pure. It's the only pure energy that exists is the light of the Creator. If, for example, someone, you're addicted to someone more than you're addicted to the light, you will eventually lose that person. Anything that you lean on as a crutch that is not the light of the Creator, you will eventually destroy. It's a very powerful concept when you realize it. The most successful people I know are not attached to the things that they are successful in. And they have an adherence to a higher energy and a higher power. Let's do one more question and we'll move on to the next. Yeah, please. Well, we, we, well, I want okay, people so to hear here's you. Here's my question. Yes. Here's my statement. Um, I Just have, do it in the microphone because it's for the recording. I had a dream okay. a couple months ago. It's okay. You can do it. So you can do it. Which is so bad because I've been in Kabbalah for so long. Use so the microphone. Dreams. This is my 11-year-old daughter. But I had a dream about a person that I was dealing with a conflict with. Okay. And it was there um, in my dream, which I can't you know, lucid dream, okay, I could control, but I don't think I controlled it. I keyed their car in my dream. Mm -hmm. Eight days later, my car was keyed. Mm -hmm. Now, I already know, obviously, because I've been studying Kabbalah for how many years? A million. But I just find it, when you were saying cause and effect, I was trying to say how you said there was no time between it. Very valid. Because my cause and effect happened within... 24, 48, 72 hours. Does this happen a lot to you? All the time. Okay. So. And Yuda would say, Lindsay, get it together. <laughs> what, 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 what was the last thing you said? I was like, Yuda would say, get it together. Well, <laughs> I, I, I know better. Okay, but, so one thing I'll tell you is if cause and effect is quick for you, that's a good sign. Oh, 100%. I know. You guys have told me that. <laughs> you guys. You guys have told me that. You guys have told me that. So, yes. So, you know this. And I would just say that as soon as you start to study Kabbalah, everything's going to move faster. But how crazy is that, right? I dreamt that I did that, and then that happened to me. Not crazy, but how would you explain the, that to people that don't know? The, it's funny. My, bro, uh, my brother, he's a physician. He's 11 years older than me. Mm -hmm. Never studied Kabbalah. Thought Never. all the spiritual work I did was kind of crazy. <laughs> so do my parents. But they're Jewish, you know, very religious. It happens. I, it sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun, this whole Kabbalah one. <laughs> So much fun. This is yeah. my seventh Kabbalah one. Shh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's my 11-year-old shushing me. She was born in this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so what I was getting to was, um, I won't get into how it happened, but several miracles happened when my brother's like, fine, I'm going to see what you do. So he, he started to study Kabbalah, and it opened his... So many crazy things started to happen, and psychic things, and prophetic things, and downloads. And he's a, he's a doctor. He's a total left brain. But what was amazing was he, he would always come to me and be like, is this any of this normal? All these things. And he would see things that would happen immediately. He, his patients walk in. He would immediately know what body part's hurting and why it's hurting and the spiritual source of it. And before, he would just prescribe medicine. So he said, is this normal? I, I said to him, I said, Dan, this is the normal world. The abnormal world is, you know, here's some medicine or, or here's all the other ways that people deal with stuff. So the norm should be we all feel each other, we all understand everything, we all see the whole picture, and the physical world is an illusion. That's the, that is the true norm that we want to get. And it's going to be like miracles happening like there's sand in, 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 on, the, on the beach. It's everywhere. It's happening all the time. That should be the norm. That's what we're aiming for. So... All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Keep the good questions coming. All right, one more question. Let's bring it over there, and we'll get to the new content here. Thank you. When, when you talk about... What's your name? Kevin. Kevin. When you talk about connecting to the light of the creator, yeah. I can 
imagine, you know, but I, I'd like to actually get specific. Like, you're not saying connect to the creator, so you're not saying connect to God. You're talking about the light of the creator, which is, light is, like, the, the light that the sun creates is everywhere. Yeah. So what are you really saying? How, how would you describe that? Yeah. Is it everything? Are you connecting to everything? It's a good question. And I would say right now, for each one of us, we should feel what I'm saying. What is right for you? You can feel it as a force. You can feel it as a ray of light if you want. You can feel it that it's inside of you and you're awakening it. But it is the source of all energy. And for whatever reason, it is concealed from us by design. And through our spiritual work, we are revealing it. And no one else can reveal it for us. If we reveal it, we will experience a world of miracles. If we do not reveal it, we will experience the absence of miracles. And so we will be in darkness. The light is very much like the electricity in the wall here. See, we have a socket here. It's available. I could plug in a laptop and benefit from this energy. I could put my finger in the socket and electrocute myself. You wouldn't say that the electricity punished me. You would say that I didn't know how to connect to the energy that is already there. That's all. The energy is there. It's available. It's free. Anyone can have it. How we connect to it is our free will. All right, let's keep going. Here's the new concept for today. We don't need to learn this. We did that already. Ah, okay. Where does reactive behavior come from? Not everyone is equally reactive. Some people are very passive. Some people shut down when they're upset. Some people fight back when they're upset. Some people become manipulative. Some people become angry. Some people become controlling. Some people become overgiving, and they become a doormat when they're upset. How we are reactive is different. But the question is, why are we reactive? Where does this come from? If you remember, I had the Chanel bag that I did in the first class. The Chanel bag was, do you remember the Chanel bag? Yeah, right? It's really cool. It's the same bag right there, right? It's the same right there. It, the idea was that our soul comes with spiritual baggage. This baggage is called tikkun. Can you say the word tikkun? Tikkun. Let it roll off your tongue. Tikkun is my soul's correction. And each one of us, we have many tikkuns, but tikkun can be divided into two parts. Part one, the negative attributes that my soul came to the world with that I must recognize and transform. The second part of tikkun, in order to complete our correction in this world, is the positivity my soul must share and gifts it must express in this lifetime. Okay? These are the two main missions of the soul in this world. Your soul comes to this world in order to achieve these two things. This should be the focus every day. A lot of people sometimes only focus on number one, and sometimes they only focus on number two. What's an example of someone who only focuses on number two? Let's say, I'm going to slip by here. Let's say an actor or a singer comes out on stage in front of tens of thousands of people, puts on an amazing show, makes all these people happy and cry, gives a powerful message, unity, love. Everyone's like, yes, we love you because of you. My life is better. Saving lives. And then she gets paid all this money, writes a check, donations, helping the world. Unbelievable. That is only 50% of why she came to this world. And often this person will go back to the hotel room, be nasty to people around them, go into a deep depression and not deal with it, have their own demons that they're struggling with, and then they medicate themselves, they become numb, they mistreat their partner, they ignore their kids. So we have an issue here. This person is, yes, helping millions of people, but is totally ignoring, number one, why they came to this world to transform themselves. The test is both on the stage and in the hotel room. And a lot of times, People have these amazing careers and successful careers, and they justify acting like an asshole everywhere else. Is it true? Yes or no? It's true. And many times we go, you know what? But then there's the flip side. There are so many people that are just doing all the spiritual work, 
from one path to another and one guru to another and one meditation to another and one plant medicine to another and one city to another and I went to Thailand and I went to Hawaii and I went to Costa Rica and I climbed this mountain and the mountain. All of that's amazing. Spiritual work, digging in, ayahuasca, all of it's amazing. We're not judging any of it. However, that all could be an escape from dealing with people, dealing with your career, and dealing with cash flow, and dealing with a PL, and dealing with society, and dealing with your family, and dealing with your kids. Oh, I'm so spiritual, but I don't want to have kids. Well, because kids are going to trigger you. Kids are going to force you to be spiritual. No, I want to be spiritual because I want to go to Costa Rica and be spiritual. I want to listen to the trees. No, why don't you listen to your five-year-old? <laughs> if, you want, if you want to become like God, have a child. That's going to push you to become more spiritual than any ayahuasca, Costa Rica, Thailand, anything. So the... But, the point here is, I'm not saying everybody should have a child. The point here is, be open, even if it's uncomfortable, that we have a mission in category two. We have to be open to that. And a lot of us sometimes feel a calling of something we need to be doing, but maybe it's being ignored. And again, we don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know where, but it's important just to know, hey, I got two categories. And most likely, I'm stronger in one than the other. Any questions about that? Where's the microphone? Kevin, you have it? Gorgeous dog. Any questions about this? Yeah. Um, that I feel like they're related, that in order to accomplish like you were just saying on your that in order to accomplish number two you have to that's gonna for that's gonna force you to do sorry I got the numbers mixed up now in order yeah. to uh, accomplish number two you're going to have to do number one so very good the way to sort of some a path towards number one could be to try to do number two in very all good. the aspects of your life very good if we're lucky the universe will hold us back from doing number two until we do number one. You know, I, I have a six-year-old. Well, it's a better example. I have a three-year-old. If I gave her a brand new iPhone, what is she going to do with that? She's going well, she's gonna to destroy it. She's going to first lock herself out because she's going to hit the buttons 47,000 times. She's going to screw that up. And then she's going to just get bored with it and throw it on the ground and break it. The reason why sometimes the creator doesn't give the proverbial iPhone as a soulmate to someone is because they're going to break it. So they're given other, like I would give my three-year-old a plastic phone, you know, that just has like two buttons that she can just press and place a little bit of music. And it costs $5. So until we are ready for number two, until we are ready for maybe great wealth or great power or great whatever, it's held back until we do number one. Now, what about all the people who are wealthy and powerful who don't do any of number one? What do you think about that? What's going on there? Those people can only begin to work on number one when they have money. Say it again. There are a certain cohort of souls that when they come into this world, they can't adequately work on their negativity and their fears and their issues until they are given power and money. So the game starts for them when they are successful. Now, other people are like, well, that's not fair. I want that kind of a life. I want my pain and suffering to be on the rich side. <laughs> I'd rather cry in my Ferrari than cry in my Toyota. 
So obviously you cannot compare because both are suffering equally. And from what I've seen and from you've seen, it doesn't matter how much money or power or whatever you have. In fact, it, is, it, it can be even more challenging and more painful and more fearful and more anxiety. Because someone, what I've seen, someone who achieves wealth or power without doing number one has now doubled the anxiety of constantly fearing losing it. And they don't have privacy anymore. And they are judged every second of the day. And they can't even be in a normal relationship without thinking somebody is wanting something else from them. So I see it from both sides. And the tikkun and the correction often of someone who has wealth or power is even harder. It's even harder. So one of the things we should all strive for is to tell the creator, I do not want my wealth or my power until my soul is ready, but I want you to really help me get my soul ready. That's the way to go about it. Whatever you desire, you feel that you want, you are meant to have. The reason why you are craving it is because it exists causing you to want it. You will never want something that is not already in existence waiting for you to manifest it. And it's just yours. Now, someone else may be holding on to it. The Zohar, which is the main book of Kabbalah, it's 22 volumes, it decodifies the entire Bible and it reveals the spiritual source of life. The Zohar says very clearly, your soulmate may be held in escrow with another, with another man or another woman, but when you have earned him or her, that person must leave the marriage and come to you. If the other person won't let them go, it says that even there's a decree from the upper world that that person must die to release that person to you because you have already built your vessel to earn that person. It's very powerful. All, you, all we have to do is spiritual work. We don't have to do anything else. Yes. Uh, who's got the mic? Ed, you got a mic? Joel, do we only have one microphone? You're going to go find the second one? Thank you. Yeah. What's your name? Sasha. Sasha, please. Okay, who chooses your negative attributes that you're born with or like the tikkuns you need to work on? Is it the light or your past lives, your karmic it's a very, lives? It's a very good question, very deep question. Um, I'm going to try to explain it without having to like go down a rabbit hole. But... Each one of us have, has been here many times before. There are no more new souls coming to this world. And it has to do with creation and the Big Bang. The, there was a physical Big Bang, as science says, and there was a spiritual Big Bang, which was the light and vessel shattering. Then souls started to come down into the world, a certain amount of souls. And what's interesting is when a soul comes to this world, let's say, let's say, let's say Sasha, you came to this world, and um, I don't know, you have a tikkun of, let's say, you have a control tikkun. And you don't work on this tikkun in this life. When, when, when someone dies, their soul breaks into many more souls. So let's say now there's five Sashas. Sasha A, B, C, D, E. Each of those Sashas will take a piece of the tikkun and come down to this world. And the reason why there's a breaking down of souls is because it was determined that one soul couldn't handle it. So each one takes a share of the negativity to work on it. This now leads into what are soulmates, what, are, what, is, what is a soul connection. Uh, you may meet your other Sashas in this world, right? And these are friends. These could be siblings. These could be a child of yours. And it's interesting because you all carry the same tikkun. But you separated in order to take uh, a share of it to make it easier to work on. And then if those souls don't work on their correction, then, then they pass from this world and the souls break up into other souls, and we have more and more people in the world, but we don't have more and more new souls. Does that make sense? So this all started from a certain time, which we won't get into now, and what the exact tikkun is also has a beautiful story, which is kind of beyond the scope of today's class, but it, it is a great question. And we are then born into parents that are good for our tikkun, to awaken our tikkun, we marry people who are good for our tikkun. We have relationships 
We encounter people who are good for our tikkun. You cannot just go date whoever you want. The Creator will not allow it. Is that you, Jason? I, I activated. I activated your podcast. Everyone you, everyone you meet has already been divinely scripted for you to meet them because you are good for each other's correction. You, there is no choice. You have no free will over who you meet. It's very interesting. We think we're choosing people, oh, I like that person, I'm going to go talk to them. It's already been designed for you. Questions about this? No. no. <laughs> but it's a good try. Not for today. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do a quick workshop. A tikkun is that thing that is very difficult for us to transform. And it is usually the thing that keeps coming up again and again and again. What is that for you? Where are you constantly challenged? versus an area of your life that flows so well. You're just so good at it. It's so easy for you. But then there's this other area where there's friction. It means there's a fear there. It means there's a limited belief there. And you want to know what the biggest tikkun we all have, myself included, is we have limited, a limited belief about receiving in this world. We all have limitations about what we feel we deserve to receive. And this is important because you can do all the spiritual work and draw all this light, but if you don't believe you are worthy to receive, you will never actually capture any of that energy. So I know a lot of them very spiritual people, but they have so much chaos in their lives because they don't actually believe that they should receive the light they've earned for whatever reason. And that's a tikkun. Some people have the tikkun of, I should suffer before I'm happy. Anybody have resonance with that one? Things can't come easy. I gotta suffer. It's gotta be hard. You gotta sweat and grind, and you gotta get your heart broken, and then you can be successful. Some people have the tikkun that, I don't know, you tell me. Is there a list of tikkuns, like a, like a dictionary of tikkuns? We actually have one. I, I do have a list. I can bring it for you. It's, it's a short list. I mean, it's, it's not an exhaustive list. But I want to hear from you. Like, what's coming up for you as I'm saying all these things? What are other tikkuns you've observed in other people? What are limitations that you've seen in other people? What is it? Tell me, what about communication? One of your tikkuns... Who's got the mic? Sasha, you got it? Yeah. Okay, so one of your tikkuns is around communication? Okay, explain. My name is Neda, and as I mentioned to my table... I feel like a lot of us are so good at talking about feelings, but not our needs. And that's mm. where it crashes. Absolutely. How many people in relationships have a hard time asking for what they want or what makes them happy? Right? A lot of people are just martyrs and just want to help everyone and save everyone else. And they think it's taboo to ask for what they want. And then they become resentful. So that, that would be a tikkun. A tikkun could also be not setting boundaries. Do you know one of the most powerful ways to give to someone is to tell them no? Set a boundary. Help them earn it. Help them work for it. I, I, I talked about, I don't know if I said it in this class, but I had a guy, did I tell you about the guy 16 years ago in New York who loved this woman, so he bought her the Rolex and the credit card? It was this class, right? Yeah. So many stories like that. Belief system is... If you don't love me, I'm going to give you even more. And now you will love me. 
when in reality there's an issue. That's not really what's happening. You're giving because you're insecure and you're trying to control and manipulate the other person. What else? Explain. This is a good one. Self-sabotage. So I think for me, I self-sabotage a lot. Um, How do you self-sabotage? I just like beat myself up for my mistakes or my negative thoughts. And I um, self-sabotage situations, opportunities. Um, Give me an example. Um... Because you feel like you don't deserve it? Or maybe I'm focused on the wrong things. I focus on the past or the future, and I end up self-sabotaging what's in the present moment, and maybe that's what was going to take me to where I was meant to go. Beautiful. A A lot of people, when they're on the precipice of something great, they're so scared of this new level, of this new pressure of this new responsibility. It could be like you met someone amazing and they're treating you amazing and you're starting to freak out because it's healthy. And so you'll find a way to destroy it. You'll find a way to check out. I've seen so many people get offered amazing income-producing like positions or jobs or whatever, and they've always prayed for it. They dreamed of it. But as soon as it comes, they find a reason to destroy it. Very interesting. I know a person that can easily build companies that get to 10 million of revenue. Every time he builds, he's a serial entrepreneur. 10 million revenue, easy. 10 million revenue. As soon as he hits 10 million, it all falls apart. Lawsuits, government, product doesn't work, people are quitting, culture issues at 10 million. And then I know other people at 1 million. I know other people at 200,000. It's easy, and then tikkun hits. Because there's a belief system that over 10 million, I do not deserve. Therefore, please bring the chaos. Please bring the chaos because I don't deserve 15 million. 10, I deserve it. That's why I easily get there. But 15, I don't deserve it. Or I believe that people who make 15 million are not good people and I don't want to be one of them. So I want all my employees to quit. I welcome lawsuits at 10 million. Because then I can blame the lawsuits of why I didn't grow. So the purpose of tonight is just to open our eyes to no one is holding us back. I promise you, as soon as it's unlocked inside of us, the gates open. Every, the light will rush in. The pleasure, the fulfillment will rush, rush in. No, no, there's no point in blaming anyone else. So, at our tables, and not everybody has to share, but if you want to volunteer, what do you feel is your limited belief around receiving? What is your limited belief around receiving? And I want each person to leave here tonight with a mantra That is, the, that is going to correct that limited belief. Okay? So what, any, what, what, what's a good mantra? I deserve it. I, I deserve it. I deserve endless. I deserve, you can even say a number. Something that is uncomfortable for the body to get the body used to that vibration. I like to swim. So when I'm swimming... With every stroke, I'm saying a mantra. And I'm saying, I have, I have complete certainty in the Creator, and the Creator has complete certainty in me. It's actually, it's one thing to have certainty in the Creator. But you, I also need to believe that the Creator has certainty in me. It's a whole different energy. That's one mantra, for example. We've got, got hundreds. And... I, I, I had to drive from Laguna Beach to this just right now on the way to class. It was a two-hour drive. And instead of distracting myself with music or a podcast, which is great, I said, you know what? I'm just going to say something to break my tikkun. 
So I just started saying mantras in the car for, the, for like an hour. I have endless, I came, from an, I came from a conference for my company, so I had ideas, and those ideas opened my mind, so I started to, and I know myself that if I don't start to do mantras to go to that next level, I will eventually go back to the old level. So I started to say mantras like, even it could be, I can hire the most amazing people. I can expand this a hundred times. I, can, I started seeing these things in the car, and it was very uncomfortable. I saw myself. I did not want to say it. I wanted to go back to my podcast. I want to go back to listening to music and check out. But the mantras elevate the vibration. So what is, it, what, is, what is your limited belief around receiving, and what can be the mantra? The group can help you devise a mantra that you go home with tonight. All right. Let's take about five or ten minutes, and then after that, you guys are welcome to go home. Next week, we will go even deeper with Tikkun, give you some more tools, and uh, get the momentum going. It's going to be very powerful. So thank you all very much. Finish up your workshops, and then we'll go home for tonight.